And I, I just want to talk to us a little bit tonight, if I can. Um, I, I, don't want to, I don't want this to come across in a negative way. I, I just want you to know, I want you to feel a little bit of the heartbeat of a pastor. Um, <clears throat> there are so many things to consider when you're leading a congregation. Looking back, learning from past mistakes, measuring progress, looking at lives, wondering um, how to hold on to people, what to do about the ones that don't stay, the ones that won't come back, the future. There's, there's just a lot. But the main thing is, is, is that I, and I know these men feel the same way, I want to be obedient to God and being obedient to God, uh, trying to get this whole mass of people moving in the same direction at the same time with the right spirit and the right attitude to make sure that we not only make heaven, but that there is something for the next generation and the next generation. I don't want the next generation to have less of a move of God and less of the doctrine, less conviction, less praise. I don't want the next generation to have less than we do. I want them to have more. Exodus 33 and 1, The Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people, which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, Unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now think, some of this is going to sound, well, it's probably all going to sound elementary, but I believe that this is what God wants to say tonight. But when you consider how long it has been, it's been generations since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet the Lord has not changed the promise He's not changed the goal. It went from Abraham to Isaac. That's one generation. Went from Isaac to Jacob. That's two generations. And then it went many generations after that until they spent 430 years in Egyptian bondage. Now they've come out. And the promise has not changed. The vision has not changed. The goal has not changed. And certainly God has not changed, neither the doctrine. He said, unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. I will drive them out. That's what the Lord told Israel that he would do. Now, don't, don't get lost in the familiarity of the promised land trek and the wilderness journey and all that kind of stuff. I believe the Lord wants to emphasize some very important things here tonight. And I want to talk to you about the covenant keeper tonight. And I, I just won't, I'm, I'm not up here to perform for you or sermonize for you. But I am here to, to bear my soul tonight and to, to awaken the senses to the need of getting closer to God than we ever have been before. That's not cliche. 
We, we've got a war that the powers that be are trying to turn into World War III. I think we know that. We're, we're not stupid. Now, will they do it? I don't know. Am I predicting that? No. Do I want it to happen? Absolutely not. But at some point, something catastrophic is going to hit this world, and we're not going to be reactive. We're going to be proactive. The church is going to be the church, and the church should never... The tone of the church should never be set by the activities of the world. The tone of the church should be set by the presence of God, the voice of God, and the spirit of God. And we have to be obedient to him. This is, I, I know I'm just talking just a little bit here, and I'm going to let you be seated here in just a second. But this, this is everything that I am and everything that I want. And I don't believe that you're indifferent to that. I believe that. Most, if not all of you, feel the same way. But I, I want this with every fiber of my being. I want to I stand in eternity with this same group. I, I don't want one to be lost, not one. Amen. And so in order to do that, we just we have to keep the faith. But we also have to keep his covenant. We've got a God that is a covenant keeper. So would you pray for just a moment? I know we're just a little casual in here tonight, and that's fine. We're just a little laid back, and that's okay. But would you pray with me right now? Lord, God, I pray that you would speak to us here tonight. I pray that you would help us, Lord. To fulfill your will and purpose in this place. Let your mighty hand, God, reach down and touch every heart. Touch every soul and every mind. The spirits of people, let it be awakened. Help us, O oh God, to know and to understand and to act and to be obedient to you, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. We give you the glory and the honor. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time? As unto the Lord, we praise you. I want you to praise him like you're privileged. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. A lot of times, a lot of times we, we consider preaching that we've heard before to be redundant, to be repetitive. And yet the word is powerful. It's quick. It's sharp. And the more you read it, the more you preach it, the more, the more realistic it becomes to you. So I'm going to talk about some things, but I want you to just, just act like that you've never heard them before. Because I'm, I'm leading to a certain context with all this. I, um, one of the things that I believe that the Lord wants his people to understand is just how desperately... That he, that he wants to bless us. 
both in this world and in the world to come, both with monetary things and spiritual things. He is, he's desperate for that. It was, it was the rescue plan from the fall of man in the garden. It was God's desire to reverse, to reverse everything. That man had created in, in the fall by his disobedience and by committing sin. The Lord wants to reverse it. So whatever sin has brought on the world, the Lord, the Lord wants to turn that around. So don't ever think, not for a day, that the Lord endures or enjoys seeing you suffer more than he enjoys seeing you blessed. And he doesn't enjoy seeing us suffer at all, but it is a necessary part of the process of our growth to squeeze out of us the characteristics of our sinful nature. Right? That makes sense? So we know that. We know that. I, I know that there are people that, that preach healing for the sick based on percentages. Blessings of God based on percentages. But I, I believe these things are absolutes. And the reason we know that they are absolutes was because of the covenant that he made with Israel. Now the covenant that he made with Israel didn't start with Moses. It goes all the way back to Abraham. So the New Testament tells us they which be of faith are, are blessed with faithful Abraham. Whatever the Lord promised to Abraham, that's what we are promised. And then some. I see some of you taking notes, and I like it. And then some. So the blessings of the new covenant are far greater than the blessings of the old covenant because this is not obtained by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is not one man entering beyond the veil once a year on the Day of Atonement, but this is for everybody. The way into the holiest of all has now been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, not to be cliche here, and I know somebody wrote a book on it, and I'm not talking about that. It's not the message here tonight, but live a blessed life. Live, live in the blessings. Now, to live in the blessings, we, we, don't, we, we don't just pursue the blessings. We are, we are not pursuing the blessings. We are pursuing him. We are not trying to bribe God or twist his arm. We are simply being obedient to the commandments of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if you do that, I'm going to bless you. I'll bless you going in and coming out. You believe that? How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. I believe that. So stay with me for just, just a little while. And, and so he, he gave them all of the details of this blessing. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a posterity. I'm going to give 
Abraham, a seed that cannot be numbered. We're part of that spiritual seed. If you don't understand, Israel's the natural seed. The church is the spiritual seed. We're the stars. Israel's the sand. So in this, our pursuit of God and our obedience to God releases the natural outflow of the blessings of God. Now, if the blessings of God cannot be received by the children of God in a certain time or a certain season, the Lord will, the Lord will allow us to go through a, a few things in the university of spiritual education so that we can receive the blessing without being destroyed by the blessing. And so the obedience to him is, is so imperative. Now, just, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I have nobody in mind. I just know humanity, okay? Why, why would anybody want to live a haphazard life? Just haphazard. Date who you feel like dating. Go where you feel like going. Work where you feel like working. Go to school, not go to school. Spend this money, not spend this money. Live there, live there. Get up, move, jump around, do a flip, whatever. But that's the way most people live their lives. Aimlessly. Jumping from one thing to the next because there is a dissatisfaction in them. And they are chasing something outside of God when they should be pressing into God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you, you have to live an intentional life. You have to live an intentional life. And that's every day. That's 365. Every day. Monday, Sunday, or Wednesday. Friday, Saturday. You have to live an intentional life. That that has to come through prayer and fasting and reading of the word of God. Lord, if you don't tell me to move, I'm going to stay right here until you tell me to move. When you tell me to move, I'm going to move. If, if, you, if you can't give me peace about doing this, I'm not going to get desperate and just do what I want to do because if I do what I want to do, I can't do what he wants me to do. It's not, you can't do that at the same time. Now, let, let me just say this. I, I know some of y'all feel like, well, the pastor's always telling me no. Well, God tells you no a lot, too. He probably tells you no more than I do. And the reason that we hear more no's than yeses is because we're human beings, and we want what we want, and we want what the flesh wants, and the flesh gets its mind made up, and that's what we're going to do. That's where we're going to go. That's what we're going to have. And the Lord said, if you're going to be in covenant with me, you can't do it that way. This, this is not, I'm not a, God's saying I'm, I'm a king, not a president. I wasn't elected to this position. I'm the king. I'm a dictator. What I say goes, or you don't get what I promise. But if you do what I tell you to do, I'm, I'm going to give you all these things. Your womb won't be barren. You're, You'll have peace in your home. I'll make sure you get married to the right person. I'll, you'll have as many kids as I want you to have in spite of your control methods and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have what I want you to have. Amen. Because it can't help being that way because you're walking in obedience with me. 
If you're walking in obedience to me, I'm going to make the choice. Some of y'all get nervous right now. Don't worry about it. I'm not prophesying children tonight. I might, though. I don't know. If I do, I'm going to start with triplets. Huh. We ain't never had that around here. Eric raised his hand over there. You want triplets? Does she want triplets? She submitted. My God, stand up and claim it right now. Just worship the Lord. I wasn't going to do that, but I may as well. Oh, she's running the house. Can I? He knows the desires of our heart. You're the only one that raised your hand in the whole congregation. Good news and bad news, huh? <laughs> you, you, you've got to get that. You've got to get that. When you're walking in obedience to him, God's saying, I appreciate all those little plans you got for yourself. Bless your little heart. you got these little plans made, and you think they're too big for me, and you ain't even seen the plans I've got for you. But when you walk in obedience... Can I, can I just say this? The reason we stay frustrated so much is because, you notice I'm not even in any, any notes right now. The Holy Ghost is talking to some people. The, we, the reason we get frustrated so much is because our plans are not happening. God, haven't you seen my plans? And God's going, I saw those pitiful little plans you got. You think they're huge, and I think they're minor. If you just walk in obedience with you, I'll show you my plans. Come on, you've got, you got to lift your eyes, and you've got to lift your faith. Well, when's it going to happen? When he wants it to happen. When you're ready for it to happen. Because he said, I, I'm the covenant keeper. I make a covenant with you. I have a chosen plan and path that I have charted for your life. But you're in too big of a hurry to get your plans done. So when you run out of desire to do your plans, I will start doing my plans. Obedience is not easy. If everybody, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And what we think is obedience is not really obedience. It's a covenant keeper. He is going to keep his covenant. Everybody say, God is faithful. God is faithful. He's always faithful. The old song says, he may not come when you want him. But he's always right on time. He's always right on time. So the question is, are you going to walk according to an earthly time clock? Or are you going to walk according to a heavenly time clock? I know this is simple tonight. It's just, it's just the basics. Sometimes you have to get back to the basics and stop overcomplicating things. Well, I'm going to be too old. I'm going to be too this. I'm going to be too that. I'm going to be in the wrong place. No, no. God, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God... God comes to Israel. Now, I, I want you to just, I, I don't know, this is so basic and so elementary. But God comes to Israel, 
He doesn't ask them. When he comes to Abraham, he doesn't say, hey, Abraham, let's sit down and talk. I'd like for you to know what, what you'd like for your future to look like. No. He, he doesn't ask Abram if he wants to stay in Ur or Nahor or anything like that. He, it, hey, do you want to stay here? No, no, no. He comes to Abram and he says, this is what I'm going to do in your life. And I'm going to do it in your life so I can do it in an innumerable number of people's lives. And if I can get you to be obedient, then I can do something that's going to change the whole world, starting with one man. Don't underestimate the power of one person being obedient to God. It has a ripple effect. You can get excited about that. Come on, you're a child of purpose. You're a child of purpose. got to go ahead and shout about it. You're not an accident. You didn't wind up here by accident. You were plucked out of the world. You were plucked out of that seed or soil of corruption. And you were put here in the kingdom of God. This kingdom is not going to fail. This kingdom is not going to fall. God is not going to let us down. He's the covenant keeper. And the Lord and the Lord didn't didn't ask you what, what your plans for the future were either. God's sitting at the drawing board and he's saying, Man, I'm drawing a blank here. You got any good ideas? <laughs> what do you what, what do you think about the five year plan? You got you got any ideas from that? Because man, I whew, I'm all tapped out. I got nothing. No. His very essence is a creator. He, he has such a vivid vision for your life. It would blow your mind if you knew the Lord, my God, have mercy. He, he can delay things. He can speed up things. He can move time. He can stop time. He can put gaps in time. He can restructure things and whatever. And, and you look, I'll go back to a few, a few weeks ago. You, you, you see him as detours. And God's just saying, I'm just trying to keep you on the right path. You think you're going that way, and I'm trying to get you to go that way. You see it as a detour. I see it as a straight path. So he's, a, he's the covenant keeper. And, and so with all, with all of those promises, this, this is what he said. He said, I'll, I'll make sure. If you're obedient to me, I'll make sure that no famine comes to the land. I'll, I'll make sure there's no drought. I'll make sure that your crops are producing. I'll, I'll keep away the locusts and the, the caterpillars. I'll make sure that no plague comes nigh thy dwelling. But what about, no, no, stay in the word. Don't, don't start putting statistics out there. We're going we're gonna to stand on this word. And, and, and he's saying, I'm going to make sure that... There's no army that can defeat you and the devastation don't, don't come to you. He said, I need you to get up. I need you to go toward the land of Canaan and I'm going to drive out. Now, he didn't just name the race of people that were there with a generic terminology. He broke it down in detail. He, he said, I won't just drive out the Canaanite, but I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite. And I won't just drive out those two, but I'll drive out the Hittite and the Perizzite. The Hivite and the Jebusite. 
The, the Lord is not going to just do one miracle for you or one, 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 win one battle for you. He'll drive out depression and fear. He'll get rid of poverty and anxiety. He'll get rid of guilt and your shame. He, he will get rid of sin and iniquity. He'll get rid of pride and arrogance. He, he said, I'll drive it all out. I just need you to be obedient. I got to be careful here because I'm about to preach. The Lord, the Lord, would, and this is what he said. He said, I'll drive it out. Now, fast forward to the book, the book of Joshua. And you see a series of victories in the book of Joshua for the nation of Israel. They had some hiccups along the way, but they're human beings and it's to be expected. And somebody, you got millions of uh, Jewish people, Israelites, that are crossing over into a land that doesn't even belong to them. And somebody's going to jump stupid and break rank. And they're going to have to come back and regroup and say, hey, look, I told you to keep your hands off of the gold that piece of silver and that Babylonian garment in Jericho because Jericho belongs to me. So they lost the battle of Ai the first time around because somebody couldn't keep their hands out of the cookie jar. And it was Achan and his household. God found the problem. He said, go back, and they won the battle the second time. The walls of Jericho fall flat. Giants are being killed. They're being slain. I mean, they're, they're taking ground. They are taking territory. They're, they're winning battles with with clay pots and candles. And God has given dreams to the enemy uh, about, about, people, about people like Gideon and, and, and just all this kind of stuff. And, and Gideon's got 300 and, and the Lord's wiping out tens of thousands of them. And I think there was one place where God slew a, a million man army with an angel or something like that. Or maybe it's a 300,000 army. But the whole book of Joshua is filled with victory after victory. Keep in mind that those victories came at the hands of the generation that was mostly born or completely born in the wilderness. They, they, they didn't know what slavery was, but they knew what the wilderness was. And God couldn't do it with the generation that came out of Egyptian bondage. He just couldn't get it all out of their mind and all out of their spirit. And they couldn't quit questioning God. But he found a generation that he was taken into the promised land because the promise doesn't change. The people that obtain the promise and go into the promised land may change, but that promise is coming to pass. I'm telling you, I intend on being a part of that revival. I don't know who else is going to be a part of it, but I'm determined that I'm going to be a part of it. Anybody want to be a part of that? So he, he takes them in, and this is a generation that just, man, they're ready to go. They've been, they've been journeying for 40 years. They've been going in circles for 40 years. They're just thankful to be on a straight path now. And they're, they're obedient but then when you flip the page at the end of Joshua, there begins another book called the book of Judges. And you're going to have to decide whether you're going to live in the book of Joshua or if you're going to live in the book of Judges. 
Because the Lord told the people of Israel, he said, I'll drive them out. That was in Exodus. And in Joshua, that's where he began to drive them out. But then there arose another generation. And in Judges chapter 2 and verse 15, the scripture said, Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. What a turn of events. The flip of a page represents the turning over of a generation. And the same God that said, I'll drive them out. The same God that said, I'll bless you going in and coming out. The same God that said, I'll bless your crops and I'll bless your families and I'll bless your wounds. And, and I, will, I will cause you to bear children and have fruit and I will be your healer. And, and I, I, will, I will put none of the diseases upon you that I put upon the Egyptians. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. The same God that said that, the Bible said he was against them for evil. As the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them and they were greatly distressed, I'd say so. They were greatly distressed. Can I just stop right here and can I say you never know what you got till it's gone. I'm preaching to the generations beneath me tonight. Beneath him. I'm preaching to the generations. We didn't wind up here by accident. We still got a few empty seats in here. There's still a few empty seats at Hope and LC. There's still congregations that haven't been born yet, but we didn't wind up here by accident. We were a Joshua generation. That walked around walls of Jericho and saw them fall flat. This is not braggadocious. This is not the same place it was 20 years ago. It's not because of this man and that lady right there. It's because of people like that right there that refused to give up, that stayed on their knees, that fasted their brains out, that prayed until heaven was moved and hell was afraid. We didn't wind up here by accident. And we're not going forward from here with a different mentality. We're not going to go from Joshua to Judges. We're not giving up the ground that we've gained. We've got a God that is a covenant keeper. And if he will bless those that obey him then, he will bless those that obey him tomorrow and the next day and next year and ten years from now. Why don't you praise him for a moment? Come on, praise him. Verse 20. Now watch this. Same God that said, I'll bless you. Verse 20. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. I don't, I don't want the anger of the Lord to be hot against me. Don't get God hot under the collar. Don't get God with smoke coming out of his ears. Don't get God's blood pressure up. God had blood pressure. 
The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, watch, he said, because that this people hath transgressed my, what? My covenant, which I commanded who? This people transgressed the covenant that I made with their fathers. Your daddy's doctrine is not out of style. Keep it up there. The doctrine that was given by revelation of heaven to the old timers of the apostolic church. And I'm not just talking about the UPC. The original organization was the PAW. But look where they've gone. Because their daddy's doctrine went out of style. And I don't care if every oneness organization in the world decides that their daddy's doctrine and covenant is not worth holding on to anymore, we're holding on to it. We're not better than anybody else, but we're holding on to it and we're not going to let it go. The same thing we preached 20 years ago is the same thing we preach now. It's going to be the same thing we preach 30 years from now because it's the truth. You can't change the truth. You can't alter the truth. And you can't circumvent the covenant of God and live to tell about it. You can't. You can't. You can be seated. Transgress my covenant which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my what? My voice. They have not hearkened unto my voice. Well, I guess you got to hear his voice before you can hearken unto it. And that's another subject. Verse 21. He said, I. Remember the God that said, I'm, I'll drive them out? Verse 21 said, I also will not henceforth drive out any before them. Of the nations which Joshua left when he died. If they want them driven out. They're going to have to drive them out. I'm not driving out nothing. Because if they can't keep my covenant, I'm going to let them flounder and live to their own devices. And if they want victory, they're going to have to get it themselves. I'm going to say something to the generations beneath us. And we're not perfect. I understand that. But I got the mic tonight. And I'm preaching to young men and young women and teenagers and young married couples and singles that are in the generation beneath us, Pastor Jackson. And I'm telling you right now, you better hold on to the covenant of God. And you better not let the fire of God that's in this place die down. There's some people in this place who still believe the covenant. And they still believe the doctrine. But their bodies don't work like they used to. It doesn't mean they have less faith. Don't you water down this faith. And don't you let the enemy water down your passion and your praise. Don't you sit there on that pew like a bump on a log. You ought to get up and praise him. And let the fire of God move on you. I'm preaching to the next generation and telling you. Don't you move from the book of Joshua to the book of Judges. God will keep the covenant if you will. 
Come on, somebody, praise him right now. Nigel, I'm going to say this because I know you won't. I know you won't, but don't you stop shouting like that. Don't you stop praising him like that. If the whole world stops shouting, don't you stop shouting. Because God is looking for somebody to look at and say, I'll keep the covenant if you will. We're living in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket. The world doesn't need a dead church. Now I realize it can be a gradual thing. I know it can be a gradual thing. I know it can happen over time. But verse 17 of Judges 2 tells us that they turn quickly out of the way. They turn quickly. Look at the wording here, out of the way, which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. They turned quickly out of the way. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I thank God I grew up with a praying daddy and a praying mama. I thank God for my wife's heritage. I thank God for brother and sister Ladner. I thank God for my grandpa. And his and their great-grandpa, BK and my kids, their great-grandpa. And the biggest reproach, the most embarrassing thing that we could ever do, that y'all could ever do, is come in here and say, that's antiquated. The covenant of God needs a little modern window dressing. Now I'm okay with all this kind of stuff. We're going to another level soon. But that's just so we don't look like an antique hall when people walk in. But whatever happens up here with technology ain't never going to take the place of a prayer closet. I'm all for the latest and the greatest. If we're going to live stream, I want a good crisp picture. I want to be able to see people standing on the platform. I want good lighting. I want a good sound system. I want it to sound good online. I want to stay current with the times with technology. But what the world needs is people that come stumbling out of the prayer closet. Drunk and intoxicated on the Holy Ghost. You ain't going to get this in the school buildings. You ain't going to get it playing video games you ain't gonna get it on social media you won't find it on snapchat but you'll find it on your knees when heaven comes down and shakes you and the keeper of the covenant reminds you if you'll be obedient I will bless you oh I wish somebody would praise him right now The prophet Amos, I'm not trying to hype you tonight. I'm trying to get a word in you. The prophet Amos prophesies a thousand years later. A thousand years 
586 B.C. A couple of decades before that, here comes the Assyrians. They're converging upon the land of Israel. The babies are being slaughtered. The women are being raped. Cities are being destroyed. Houses are being pilfered. The temple is eventually destroyed and burned down. And they were carried away. God brought a people out of slavery, but he had to take them back into slavery. Because in their arrogance, they couldn't quit bringing competitive gods into the temple. Erecting high places. Participating in Baal worship. Turning away from the covenant of God. But we've got the covenant keeper. And I want to tell you something. The covenant keeper doesn't just keep his covenant on the blessing side. He keeps his covenant on the curse side. Because he said, if you don't obey me, this is for all the people that think there's a middle ground with Jesus. That you're just going to kind of drift through life. Oh, I don't want to serve God. You may not want to serve God, but you're going to live in a curse. God's not going to just let you sit out in the field somewhere and just kind of twiddle your thumbs and work your career and all that kind of stuff. Because he said, if you don't obey me, this is Deuteronomy, what is it, 28 or 32, wherever it is. He gave all the blessings. He said, this is how I bless you if you obey. But if you don't obey, he said, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to make sure your, your crops get mildewed. I'm going to make sure they get fungus on them. I'm going to make sure that the caterpillar and the palmer worm come in and destroy everything you work for. I'm going to make sure that the militaries that surround you annihilate you. I'm going to make sure that it's a bloodbath if you don't keep my covenant because I purchased you. I gave you the plan of escape. I gave your father Abraham a promise and a covenant and you, if you walk away from the father, from the covenant that he and I made, he and I have an agreement and he's not here anymore, but I am. He doesn't know what this generation is doing, but I do. And he and I made a covenant because he was a man of faith, and his faith was at such a level that I counted it to him for righteousness. He said, if you don't keep that covenant, he said, I'm going to bring famine. I'm going to bring drought. I'm going to bring the blight and the mildew. I'm going to send locusts. I'm going to send plagues. You're going to suffer military defeat, and it's going to be a complete devastation. But we look around the world today and we look at the headlines and we think this is all happening by accident. People need to quit tweaking the doctrine. People need to stop taking away from the word that Christ died so that we can have his promises. You're going to live in the blessing or you're going to live in the curse. The Puritans came to America to escape the, the persecution on the other side of the pond. 
They were looking for freedom. Freedom to exercise their faith however they felt to exercise it. And they put together what they call the Puritan Covenant. And in the Puritan Covenant, you had to dress modest, you have to dress holy. There's some things in there we didn't agree with. They believe in infant baptism and all that kind of stuff. But, but they had a passion and a zeal to give everything they had to God because they said, basically, we're risking everything. We're leaving, we're leaving what we have here. We're going to a totally new world. We don't know what's going to befall us when we get there. And so we have got to put God first in everything that we do. And they were people of prayer. They were people of sacrifice and people of commitment in this Puritan covenant, in the covenant. It said that you could not live more than a certain distance from the house of God. Every community and every town and every city had a church right in the middle of it. And you had to be within a short distance of the house of God. If you lived beyond that, it was breaking the Puritan covenant. The second generation, the first generation was so committed to it that God blessed them in such a way it was just flowing like milk and honey. And the second generation came along and they lived on the blessings of their fathers. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to pray as hard. They didn't have to fast as much. They could just fudge a little bit on some of those commitments. But then the third generation, because what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And the third generation comes along and the parents of this third generation, which was the second generation, felt sorry for their children, their sons and their daughters. And so they went to the high councils of the Puritan movement and they convinced them to change the Puritan covenant to what was known as the halfway covenant. And the halfway covenant says, we want you to baptize our babies. But we don't want to be a part of the church. We want to be identified as a Puritan. But we don't want to give what the rest of the Puritans are giving. And so history tells us that that third generation became the most self-sufficient generation ever in the Puritan movement. Anybody met a Puritan lately? Anybody met a Puritan? You know why? Because they don't exist. Because that third generation demanded that that short distance from the house of God be lifted so that they could live wherever they wanted to live. When you put distance between you and the house of God, you're headed in the wrong direction. Whether that is spiritual distance... Whether that is emotional distance, whether that is geographical distance. I know some of you live a long way and you drive a long way to get here, but you didn't move away. Amen. You, you chose to get to the house of the Lord. But anytime you're thinking, start saying, ah, oh, I don't have to go on Thursdays. I don't, I don't need that much church. I can just kind of come in late. I don't need pre-service prayer. It's a, I can get there during the second song. I can come in time for the preaching. You better watch out. Because that spirit of compromise is creeping up on you. 
The enemy's trying to drive a wedge between you and the covenant keeper. And I promise you the covenant keeper will turn around and do the same thing and you that have been living in the blessing will turn around and live in the curse. Can I preach to some of you young people right now? And can I tell you, don't you dare take this for granted. Some of you got some praying mamas and daddies. Don't you dare ride on their blessing. The Puritans that became self-sufficient, they became wealthy, but they became less spiritual. I don't think there's anything wrong with wealth as long as the spiritual part comes first. As long as it doesn't take away from your prayer closet. But the Puritans became known as a class of people called Yankees. People in the South think of Yankees as people up north. But the Yankees were the descendants of the Puritans that said we don't need to give as much to the church and we don't need to pray as hard and we don't need to be as committed as our forefathers. And they refused to keep the covenant that was made with their fathers and they became Yankees. The New York Yankees. New York is the epicenter of that self-willed, self-made, I don't need God, I don't need anybody else, I can do this by myself, chasing a dollar, chasing the blessing. You cannot chase the blessing and not live in a curse. You have to chase God. I'm getting ready to close. I'm not here to throw a wet blanket on the whole service tonight. You shouted when I talked about the blessing. But only about 15 of you are standing right now when I'm warning you about living under the curse. Come on, I'm talking to some young people. You need to get off the ballpark, get off the ball court, and get in the altar. You need to get out from in front of the video games, and you need to get your book in the word, your hip, your face in the word of God. You need to get your Bible out and dust it off and start reading the word of God and memorizing scripture. Can I preach right now? You know every character on that computer screen. You know the movements. Your thumb has got muscle memory because you keep that joystick in your hands for hours and hours on end. Where are you in the prayer meetings? Because we fought for you. You look around, you're looking at a full building tonight. There's a reason that it's full. But if it's full and we don't have a move of God, if blind eyes are being opened, if people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the next generation is going to see a dead revival and they're going to live in a curse instead of living under the blessing. Because God is going to keep his covenant one way or the other. That's what he does. You young people that have one parent that's unsaved and one parent that's saved, you better be careful about letting the, the one that's unsaved talk you out of your salvation. Anybody remember? You can stay standing. Anybody remember what it was like from the middle of March to the end of April 2020? God, we, 
We got to get in the church. We got to get in the building. We got we got to we got to congregate. We got to assemble. We got to my lord, who do they think we are? We got to we got to come. We got to come to the building. We got to have church. We got to have church. Remember that? Cuz you never know what you got till it's gone. So I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do when they turn us into China? When they tell you you can't even own a Bible? When they tell you you can't speak the name of Jesus? When they tell you you can't congregate, you can't have church like that. What are you going to do when they turn us into some of the Muslim nations around the world that oppress people that believe, that have faith in Jesus Christ? What are they going to tell you? What are you going to do when they line up with military personnel at the front door of the church say, you're not going into this building. We're taking control of this building. This was the house of God, but now it's our military headquarters. He said, don't try to put fear in us. And no, the Bible prophesies about days like that. We're living in the end time. This is not time to coast. It's not time to just kind of play along. Come on, somehow or another, we got to get a generation uh, that'll say, I'm Joshua. I'm not going to live in the book of Judges. I'm going to live under the blessing. I'm not going to live under a curse. I'm preaching to some mamas and daddies. Don't you dare let your teenager put a guilt trip on you until you back off of what you know is right. Let them slam the door. Let them talk about you to their friends. Let them mock you behind your back. But mom and daddy, you better keep the covenant. And you better put the word of God in them. Train up a child in the way that they should go. I'm preaching to some young people right now. Come on, it's time for you to get that spirit of rebellion off of you. It's time for your revival. It's time for you to keep the covenant. And it's time for you to quit living in your mom and daddy's blessing. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Some of our young people look bored and steered. They're just bored to tears right now. There's something in this building God's trying to awake. God's trying to help us right now. I'm talking about the covenant keeper tonight. He's going to do it one way or the other. I'm begging somebody right now to make up in your mind that you're going to live under the blessing, that you're going to be obedient to him. Come on, right now, I need somebody to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not coming to, to be mean tonight. I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'm trying to stir something in the hearts of people right now. There is a point in time where God says, I've had enough. Come on, our nation needs an apostolic revival. Our nation needs an apostolic church. That's it. Come on. Come on. I need some people that love to pray. I need some people that love to be in the presence of God. I need some people that, that love to talk in tongues. I need some young people that love to be in the altar. I need some young people to say, uh, I'm going to be I'm gonna be a difference maker in my generation. I'm going to be part of Joshua's Joshua's anointing and Joshua's blessing in the name of Jesus. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. I'm preaching. Come on, I'm preaching to hyphens tonight. I'm preaching to, to, to students here tonight. I'm preaching to young adults. I'm preaching to young marriage here tonight. Don't let the church be turned into a social club.
We got to teach our children. We got to teach our children. We got to raise them up. We got to put the word in them. We got to tell them what we got to show them what prayer looks like. We got to show them what giving looks like. We got to show them what sacrifice looks like. Oh, that's it. Come on. Let it go right now. I know we got some prayer warriors in here. I know we've got some young men and young women that are hungry for an apostolic revival. Oh, God, not in my generation. God, you're not going to look at my generation and say, I will not drive them out. God, we need you to drive them out. If you don't drive them out, we're hopeless. Yes. Yeah, come on. Let it out. 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 Harasataya. God needs some young men and young women to say, I'm a warrior. I'm going to learn how to wield the sword. I'm going to learn how to throw a spear. I'm going to make sure that my shield and that the breastplate of righteousness is in the condition that it needs to be in. I'm going to be part of a revival. I need some elders in here to help me pray right now. I need some seasoned saints to speak intentional words tonight in the Holy Ghost and just remind God for us that we're going to keep the covenant. Yeah, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. Come on, young ladies. Oh, Rebesetea, Randala Mosikia, Talamondo Bosikia, Tayando Rebesete Kayabaha, Randala Bosikia, Marabesete Kayamarabasata. Ramakaya Torabesea, Randala Bosuko Rebesete Kayamaha. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. There's a move of God in this place. There's a move of the Holy Ghost in this place. In Jesus' name, come on. I need some elders. I need some elders to pray for the next generation. <laughs> 